Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour, our final show of the week. Thank you for being with us. It has obviously been a bumpy week out in the world, and uh, we'll do our best for the next uh, little bit to entertain as much as we can, talk some baseball, and just make things feel a little bit normal. Uh, Just a little bit. We know you can't make them feel a lot normal right now. We're fully aware of that. Uh, Mark Grant, Don Orsillo are here, as they have been like every Thursday for the last however many weeks we have been doing this. Thank you both. Wonderful to see you. And uh, Mudcat, there is one thing that very clearly stands out at this particular moment, and it is growing on your face. <laughs> yes, I was told. Thank you. It was I was told by a friend today that I look like Mr. Moneybags from the Monopoly game. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to purchase Boardwalk, it's five hundred dollars. Park Place, I believe, is four hundred. So let me know. So when, when did this happen? When did we do this? Remember, I had the beard. I do. It, yes. it was just kind of getting. <laughs> yeah, it was just getting kind of whatever. Not used to having a beard. So uh-huh. I shaved it, and I and I said, you know, why not leave the mustache? I've got the handlebars going, and I'm I'm going to leave these go until whenever. I mean, I want them to get out to here. Wow. Um, I that's just you know I'm just having some fun with it. Nothing in particular, no rhyme or reason. Never really have grown one this long before. So I said, what the heck? Dig what the stash. Think? Thank Are you, Michael gonna, J. Page. Is this something we're going to keep for a long time? Is this is this the new the new mudcat? I don't know. I don't know, Donnie. Uh, Here, don't here's know. my it, question: it, it, if, if you got a if you got a call tonight, and Fox Sports San Diego said, "Hey, we got a game tomorrow. Get get camera ready. Does it stay or does it go?" Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for one changing it up. I might leave it. I, I think you should. I think I think it's fantastic. Are you dying your goatee or your Van Dyke, Don? That's the first thing no. that stuck out to me. No, I think just it's the lighting. A little just for men, maybe. No, it's awfully gray if that's Is the it? case. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no. Eh, wow. Somebody call Keith Hernandez. Get him on the line. <laughs> no play. What are you suggesting? You're suggesting that I dyed it? Is that what you said? Just, just an observation. It was you it look darker or something? I realize I don't have my light on at my desk. Hold on a second. That could be part of the problem. <laughs> oh, wow. Whoa. Now we can really wow. check creepy. that thing out. So creepy. It is. 
<laughs> kind of sinister, huh? Yeah. Old timey villain. You need a top hat, maybe a monocle. Ursula, we will get him. <laughs> he will get his day. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm glad you gave us something to talk about. At least we appreciate yeah. that. How you doing, uh, Jesse? Yeah, I'm fine, man. We're all we're all hanging. You know, we're we're doing what we can. Uh, no baseball news necessarily in terms of uh, the negotiations or however you'd like to characterize the discussions between the Players Association and MLB. But it is interesting. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. It seems like there's a lot of random optimism kind of sprouting up on social media from a lot of you know informed national writers, reporters, that kind of thing. Um, I mentioned that on yesterday's show. Something to continue to keep in mind. Um, but the thing I want to bring up today, guys, is uh, courtesy of Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, longtime baseball writer there. Um, you know, obviously we we talked about this, and Don, you've brought it up many times. You know, if different states are having different rules when it comes to social gatherings, how might that impact sports? And he reported earlier this afternoon, MLB is inclined. So look, they're leaving themselves wiggle room there, certainly, uh, to allow the two Texas teams to play with fans in the stands, even if it can't happen elsewhere. Uh, and I believe what I read about the situation was the governor in Texas has um, kind of floated out 50% capacity as something that could be realistic. So that's 20,000 people, you know, maybe more, uh, both in Houston and the new ballpark in Texas. It feels a little bit weird to to dig Don too far into like the competitive advantage that may or may not exist if one or two teams out of 30 has fans and the rest don't. But like that, that isn't insignificant, I don't think. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, there there's a home field advantage right there for the two Texas teams to actually have fans there. And we've talked so much about uh, how players feed off the crowd. And, you know, if there is no crowd in the other places, how different is it? And it's going to be different in the first place and for people to get used to. Uh, but how much of an advantage is that to the owners also of the, the Rangers and the Astros in those instances? Uh, is that money that is then shared with the other owners of Major League Baseball? I, mean, I think there's a it opens up a lot of questions as to if there are going to be fans in some stadiums and not in others. I don't know how they figure that out, but I, I think as the country is opening up in different places, I think there's going to be a lot more than just Texas who's going to have perhaps the availability of having half full stadiums. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I have to check that box also that Don thinks it would be an advantage. And, I mean, you guys can – would you rather take a hill or play first base or go to the batter's box with nobody in the house or some fans cheering you on? I think that's a no-brainer, and I think Texas uh, – the teams in Texas would have a, a slight advantage over to the other teams. So, uh, if I'm out there, I want to hear some noise rooting for my team, rooting for my club, and uh, I think it would be a huge advantage for those teams. Yeah, a fascinating little subplot going on. And like you said, Don, there's certainly financial aspects to that. You got to figure uh, I'm with your line of thinking if MLB is going to allow only a handful of teams to have fans and the, when the others can't, they're probably going to say we need to spread that around a little bit uh, because everybody, uh, as they say, is going to take a pretty good loss this year, it looks like. Um, and then on the field, maybe it is what it is, but it, it could definitely, like Don said, be outside of Texas too much. Yeah. Yeah, is that something now that they're going to have to negotiate into the deal now again if this comes to fruition where both teams get fans, there's income. So, okay, that that's another layer of the onion you got to peel back and negotiate. 
it's just it just keeps going and going and going. That's true because right now they're basing it all on no fans. Period. I mean, that's kind of what they're going on as far as uh, the dollar figures you're talking about. So that does that does change some things. And mm-hmm. uh, do they put in there perhaps a, a scale that if by this date uh, we have a certain number of fans in each of the stadiums, it changes. We re- revisit it again in you know in process of this whole thing. I don't know. I mean, there are just so many unknowns. It, it, it really is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll kind of keep our eye on that and see what happens. It's another one that could be very fluid, you know, and over time uh, changing and changing and changing. Again, we're putting some carts before the horse, but you want to have these conversations perhaps out in front uh, just to try and be ready for when things uh, do get figured out, if they do. I brought this up yesterday as well, but probably worth repeating. Jason Stark, uh, who's obviously very well plugged in, uh, floated out July 15th yesterday, and that was the first time I had seen that. Um, We've been talking endlessly about July 1st or maybe even July 4th weekend as far as the time everybody would love to be able to kick the season off. Um, But he he wouldn't just throw that out there without reason. And, you know, he did it gently. But I think the message is perhaps that, all right, we've got a little bit more time to negotiate here. We'd rather be able to get something done and start a week or two later than we've been talking about than get nothing done. Um, So that perhaps is part of why it's been so quiet this week, because really there hasn't been a ton of news when we thought, Hey, last week we thought this was the week where something's got to get done. We said that again at the start of this week. And now here we are uh, late Thursday afternoon in the West and uh, nothing really much to go on. So keep an eye on all that. Keep an open mind. And uh, we'll continue to keep everybody as posted as possible. NBA, meanwhile, uh, had their ownership vote on their restart plan today. That went well. There was only one no vote. That was the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And it wasn't that they didn't want to play, from what I understand, and I'm not an NBA expert. Basically, they didn't like some of the details in there. Um, But nonetheless, uh, it approved uh, almost unanimously. The players are expected to vote on it tomorrow for the NBA, and they're not expecting to have any issues in terms of it getting um, ratified or or whatever the word is, signed off on by the Players Association. So the NBA is going to be ready to go. It'll be a very short offseason in the NBA as uh, they restart with a partial league in Orlando. They're doing the bubble thing. Um, and again, guys, like, you know, we've said this a bunch, but I, I saw it again on social media today where people were out there saying, hey, look, basketball's got a plan. Hockey's got a plan. Soccer's got a plan. That's all well and good. But what baseball is trying to do is just so much more complicated than what any of these leagues are trying to do. NBA's got about 22 teams. It's not even their entire league. They're going to play a handful of regular season games and then basically a tournament. That's exactly the word you just used is exactly it. I mean, it's a tournament. You're putting together a tournament for two leagues, basically in the NBA and the NHL, uh, and you're you're getting ready for the postseason. That's it. You're you're playing a postseason schedule. What MLB is doing is trying to do an entire season that has not played one game yet. Uh, you have to remember where we were in spring training at that stage, and and uh, it, it's 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 a tall task, and it it, it is much much more difficult and and also i would suggest that the the unions in both of those leagues are not as strong as the players union in mlb which is making it just from in uh, a negotiation process different i mean they're they're not as strong as major league baseball's uh union so i think that's that's something also that's to be taken into consideration uh this negotiation may take longer you know the one thing that comes to mind guys for me when i think about the nba the nhl you think about the venues, controlled environments, right? You know they're going to play. Baseball's outside. There are some dome stadiums, of course. We all know that. But um, when you have baseball not playing yet, and then you have the other major leagues getting on the verge of playing, it's going to be interesting for baseball as we get into July and August and even September 
because there's going to be NBA, there's going to be NHL, there's going to be baseball. It's going to be, I mean, there's going to be three sports, even golf later in the, in the summer, in the fall, to where it's going to be a lot of competition as far as on TV. So um, I, I think of that aspect when it comes to all the sports kind of being later in the summer and the early fall, like when baseball is coming to an end in August and September. So from my standpoint, that's going to be interesting to me. Well, I, I think it's going to be tough on baseball, to be honest with you, because yeah. we'll be just getting started, and these guys are in the postseason. I mean, yeah. uh, our regular season games – uh, you know, up against uh, the NHL playoffs and the mm-hmm. NBA playoffs. I mean, that's going to be tough. But I do find it interesting they have adopted the the bubble thought that originally uh, we were looking at as far as Arizona for all the teams. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. Yeah, the, the other thing about it is, you know, we keep hearing how MLB and the owners, they don't want to extend the postseason into November this year. Uh, part of that, of course, obviously, is that a lot of uh, the scientists and doctors expect a second wave of the virus to hit once the temperatures drop around the country. And so they want to be able to get in the postseason as much as they can. But the reality is, and it might sound cynical, but I'm sure it has entered into the conversation, is that you're dealing with a lot more football competition in November than you are in October. I know the season's already begun. College football has its like big games in November. Um, it's just a more crowded sports calendar. And, and so that's probably part of this as well. And, and certainly when you involve the, the TV networks who have the rights to those postseason games, they've got other stuff going, you know, that also matters a lot to them. But it's pretty wild. You know, we've got all these months now without any sports and it feels like everybody's like rushing back all at the same time. It's a landscape unlike anything we've ever seen. I'm curious, Jesse, is, if you know the answer to this, why they chose the bubble and, and not to play in their home arenas. I think it's probably just easier. I, I don't know for a fact, but, you know, controlling the the health aspect of it. Um, and, you know, I mean, even if you go back to, as you said, baseball floating the Arizona plan, you know, Dr. Fauci was talking about, it, he goes, this is the way to do it. This is the easiest way to do it is you just have everybody in one controlled environment for baseball. It just wasn't realistic when you consider the number of games they were trying to play. But as we said, to put on a tournament like hockey and basketball, I think it's a lot more simple. So with one venue, what you're saying is that it would be easy to control as far as from a sanitation standpoint to where, I mean, you've got loads of people working there to keep everything safe and in one venue. So you don't have to worry about stadium A, B, C through, you know, whatever, 30, 32. Yeah, exactly. Because the NBA plan is they're going to have everybody based at like the Disney resorts. So it's going to be like they're all in the hotels there. They're not going to go off campus. You know, they're going to be allowed, I think, to wander around a little bit and, and practice social distancing. But you're not traveling at all. You're not going to another hotel. You're not getting on an airplane, really just a bus, I imagine, you know, right. from the hotel to the arena, that kind of thing. So I think that's the idea is that it just you're able to control a lot more, not everything. But, you know, the more you can control, the less risk there is, I think, is mm-hmm. the obvious uh, takeaway from that. Of course, there is always risk. I mean, that's something we're reminded of on a daily basis, it seems like. This past week, we've been talking about how uh, two players on the Yomiuri Giants in Japan tested positive for COVID-19. Today, we get news out of the MLS, uh, the soccer league here. They're trying to get going again, but they've had some players on FC Dallas uh, as they've re-entered their training uh, test positive. So again, just throwing all these things out there just to remind ourselves, to remind everybody else uh, that it is probably not realistic to expect 100% health. Uh, for these leagues when things return. And, and that can obviously be far more serious for some people than others. Uh, but nonetheless, a couple of MLS players uh, doing that. Meanwhile, as we're talking about all this, uh, Jeff Passon just tweeting a few moments ago, in an MLBPA board meeting today, the executive council player reps remain steadfast in turning down any salary reductions. The league's demand for additional concession- concessions was resoundingly rejected. Um, this doesn't necessarily sound like new news in terms of the way that they have been talking, but I guess it's perhaps a formal uh, no from Tony Clark and the players. So that's the very latest from Jeff Passan 
of ESPN just a few moments ago. And uh, that's um, that's that. So, yeah, you know, just yeah. if I could just chime in real quickly, th- this is why, you know, we've heard numbers of 50, 114, whatever. This is why I hope it's 100 or more, because I want it to be a marathon, somewhat of a marathon, not a sprint to where if it's 50 or 60 games, hypothetically, you know, you get the one hot team. I want to go through a marathon to where maybe teams could have some dips and maybe have some spikes to where they're playing well enough to really gauge a team to where after 100, 110, 114 games, whatever the case may be, you've got somewhat of a legitimate team that's going to get in the playoffs. 50-game schedule, I mean, we all know there are teams that go 25-6 and six over, uh, according to my math, that's 45 games, right? No. Um, no. 25 and 6 no. no 25 and 6 no. <laughs> I said that I said that on purpose I know everybody oh, knows yo, 20, did. everybody oh, knows yeah. 25 and 6 is 48 right. anyway yes. so but that's but right that's that's what I want to see uh counterpoint Craig Stammen yesterday I asked him about this and I've been asking everybody about it cuz I think it's a great conversation and I don't think there's a right answer necessarily Craig Stammen's reply the champagne tastes the same sure it does sure no question about it. every time everybody's in the same situation how important is every regular season game if you're only playing 50? Yeah, I mean, every game is huge, right? Huge. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think of the 162-game schedule we normally have. I mean, think of, I mean, you're going to lose 60. I mean, even if you're going to win 100, you're going to lose 62 games uh, that year. So, I mean, there's so many games you just kind of throw away. There be no throwaways. There be no, oh, no, yeah, well, we lost three in a row. Big deal. No. If you're going anywhere, you got to win today. Yeah. And, and the, other th- the other thing. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it is. But the other thing about the more games is that, you know, when you have injuries, you can nurse guys back to hell to where you have other guys come back and fill that roster spot. Whereas if you're in a 50 game schedule and you got a guy who separates his uh, hamstring from the from the bone and, you know, he's out the whole. I mean, that's that's a big leg hang with him because everybody's in the same boat. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I know everybody's Plus, got what, are you going to want to play in November. I mean, because that you would sure why not? have to play in November. Sure why not? You, okay. November's a great month. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the snow. Or- no controlled environment. So you got you got roofs on how many stadiums? Do you want teams playing other places then? What, what you want? Like sure. the, the Northeast teams are in Minnesota, and those guys are all going to go other places to play in November. Sure, uh, Minnesota can go to Milwaukee. That's domed. Uh, okay. Pick a team, and there's a dome that's close by. Okay, it's it's more complicated, certainly. I no. <laughs> uh, get what you're saying, but you're right. I mean, if you're playing 50 games, crude math. One loss is the equivalent of getting swept in a normal season. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. I think it great. It would certainly be interesting. I, right. I mean, I understand the players not wanting to do that because it's fewer money. I mean, I get that. <laughs> of course. Fewer games, fewer money. That's how right, it I'm saying that right, right, Mike? No, less it's money. It's not less money. Oh, wait, but wait, can you, count, you can count money? You, 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 can't, you can count dollars. You can, can't count money. It's, it's of less course money. I can count money. Less money, fewer dollars. I got, I got $1, $2, I two monies. I, I'm confused now. I, I had the rule all figured out. <laughs> the, the, it, 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 it was always fewer if you could count it. And right, but money itself. Money, count your money. The, right. There's a stack of money in front of you. That's money. That's not – there's – And you can count more, that. There's more dollars than fewer money. There's less money in the pile with fewer dollar bills. Does that make sense, Jess? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many times I can have this conversation. I uh, no, no, you lost me on this one. I know the times I've money, okay. fewer dollars. Okay. okay, I can't count that. You're right. I can't. Count you have that. you have more hats behind you now because you can count a hat. Correct. 
Yeah. But you can't count money? Sure, you can count money. One, two, three, four. Well, I'm right. Fewer money. Okay, you've got a stack of a million dollars in one in one room. <laughs> no, no, no. You I got just a stack hear of- I'm right. That's all I want to hear you say. Don, you're right. No, it's not. Yeah, you can say, no, fewer money? No, not fewer money. No, oh. less money. But you just said you can count it. And if you can count it, then- yeah, Okay, that's, how about this? That's the rule. Can no, you no, count no, it? Simple question. Do you have fewer money than me or do you have less money than me? If, oh, no, if I've got $100 in my much, pocket- Much fewer money than me. <laughs> I've got $100 in my pocket. You've got $50. <laughs> Do you have fewer money in your pocket or less money in your pocket? Fewer. Like, no, God. less. Now, if we're talking specifically dollars, I've got $100 in my pocket. You've got $50. Do you have fewer dollars or less dollars? Fewer dollars. Fewer dollars. Very good, Donnie. And fewer money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have this discussion like once every two weeks during the season. Yes, it's and leaked. I thought I had it figured out. <clears throat> Way off the rails. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, yesterday, guys, Scans was on the show, Bob Scanlon. He told a story that was so <laughs> remarkable to me in every way. I don't know if either one of you saw it. And if not, this is going to be better. I love the week. show, but I didn't catch it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna we're just gonna replay the story. We're gonna let Scans retell his story from yesterday's show, and then I, I want to ask a question afterwards. So here you go, Bob Scanlon yesterday on Social Life. The reason I got this hat on right here, this is my Escojito hat, and this was the first winter ball team that I played for. And the reason I had to bust this out, and normally I'd bust out a Cubs hat in honor of, of Sammy, right? But this was the hat that I wore the day after I met Sammy Sosa, and the reason I remember that moment so well is because it was my first day in the Dominican Republic. I had showed up to the team in the sixth inning, walked into my civilian clothes and just wanted to check out the ballpark and everything. The team happened to be in a game that day and they were winning going into the sixth inning. They end up losing the ball game in the ninth inning because the bullpen blew it. And I was down there to be a bullpen pitcher. So I'm just standing in the, in the, the clubhouse afterwards and in my civilian clothes, the team comes in, they're all upset. Sammy's yelling and screaming. I didn't even know who he was at the time. But he goes over to this box. He opens up the box and out of the box, he pulls a revolver. He brings it over to me and he sticks it in my face. And he says, are you here to pitch? I said, yeah. He goes, are you ready? I go, no, I'm actually not supposed to be ready for three or four more days. He goes, we need you now. I was in uniform the next day wearing this cap. So that was my introduction to Sammy Sosa. <laughs> That's a great memory of Sammy. He and I, as I mentioned Became good friends and teammates uh, later on when he joined us on the Cubs. But uh, I'll never forget my first day in the Dominican Republic and my next day wearing this cap. <laughs> wow. There's no follow-up to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still don't know what to say. But, uh, Sammy Sosa pointed a revolver in his face. They needed a pitcher, clearly. <laughs> Mud, I, I guess I, I've don't had 24 hours to think of a follow-up, so here it is. Mud, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen in a clubhouse? Is it even half as crazy as well, that, and you do not have to name names? No, I'm not going to name names or years because I don't want people to put the pieces together. But along the same lines, and it's amazing Scan told that story because I was on a charter. I'm not going to say what year, what team, in the big leagues. I'm sitting next to a guy. He will rename, uh, He will be uh, not, not named. He uh, goes into his character. And this is night. Uh, I'm not even going to say that. Um <laughs> He, he goes into his duffel bag, his carry-on, and he pulls out a nine millimeter. Wow. And I was like, oh, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I, I, when I travel, I try to protect myself. And I was like, okay, whatever. 
That's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And that was on a charter. Wow. Hmm. I know. Anyway. There's no follow-up to that. What do you do? Oh, no, it's, it's it's pretty wild. The Sammy yeah. Sosa thing I thought was just uh, – That's incredible. Good point. At a, guy I, you've never met, by the way. No. I know. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's I scary. I, don't, yeah. I just can't pitch. I'm curious. How'd he do? It's yeah, a great a lot of pressure. He's the best he ever pitched in his life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seven yeah. shot out. I mean, what, what, how, did, how was he? <laughs> Zero ERA for the entire winter. <laughs> By the way, it looks like a gas station hat, huh? You want your oil check? <laughs> he's got a hat. It's cool. He's he, Every time we have a conversation about anything, he has a hat to go with it. It's really? incredible. Wow. His baseball journey is a pretty you know windy road, as so yeah. many guys are. And it's like, we're talking Expos, no problem. Brewers, Cubs, uh, Dominican, uh, Mexico, whatever. <laughs> he's got a hat for the occasion. But that was, I, I thought, really just one of the most unbelievable, incredible baseball stories uh, I've ever heard. All right. So that was yesterday. Today is June 4th. Uh, so let me be the first to wish both of you guys a happy James Shields Day. On this date, June 4th, uh, the Padres made the deal. There was the actual tweet from at Padres on this date in 2016. Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis Jr. from the White Sox in exchange for James Shields. And uh, is that fewer money or less? Either way, cash considerations. Fewer cash. On, uh, fewer <laughs> cash. I, I mean... We talk about it all the time. It will go down. I think it certainly looks at least like one of the most impactful days in Padre history. Is this going to go down as a Jeff Bagwell, Larry Anderson deal? Could. Absolutely could. Yeah. It's got that potential, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, you could be looking at a Hall of Famer. You really yeah. could be. And I mean, that, and that's really what happened as it turned out. Uh, the Red Sox that season were looking for, you know, a veteran arm uh, late in the year, down the stretch run after the trade deadline. Larry Anderson, you know, kind of fit that bill perfectly. And Bagwell really wasn't doing very much. He was in New Britain at Double A at Beehive Stadium, which was an enormous stadium that, you know, he hit like four home runs in that year uh, in Double A. And, and they thought, eh, this guy's supposed to have power. He really doesn't. He's reached Double A. And uh, we're we're, we're going to take the chance of making the trade, thinking it's the final chip for World Series here. And uh, it didn't work out that way. And, of course, Bagwell goes on to be a Hall of Famer. So uh, is that here this time? Very well could be. I mean, it's uh, boy, it looks like a real mismatch right there. That's right. You know, guys, I remember when that trade went down, growing up in the Chicagoland area, tons of my friends who were White Sox fans. Hey, what did we get in Shields? What you? And I said, well, you're going to see a lot of change-ups, you know. <laughs> You're going to see a guy who, uh, you know, just slows the game down and uh, not a hard thrower. But you look at his career and, you know, when he was at Tampa Bay, it's in darn good years. Uh, and I tell you what, I, I smile from ear to ear every time that kid there, Fernando Tatis Jr., puts on a Padre uniform and takes the field. Impact player. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record because we see we saw him every day, but uh, it just didn't work out for the White Sox. And thank you very much, White Sox, for that transaction. Eric Johnson, by the way, would appear in a grand total of four games for the Padres that year at a nine ERA. I don't know where his video is. No love for Eric Johnson. Kidding. Uh, but uh, obviously, I think even at the time we, we knew he was a little not necessarily a throw in, but it was about Tatis. That's what we were hearing. Uh, Padres liked him. But it's funny because nationally, I remember vividly, you know, people were saying, oh, the Padres uh, traded James Shields for a prospect, you know, like as, as if it were just some guy. And of course, Padres were wise to the situation, and Fernando Tatis Jr. became one of the cornerstones of this franchise. All right, speaking of uh, great amateur talent, we got the June draft coming up next week. 
it will be a very, very different thing this year. Obviously, for one, there's no major league games going on right now. So a lot of attention being paid uh, to the draft, which will only be five rounds long. In addition to all of that, high school seasons have been canceled this year. College seasons have been canceled this year. A lot of the summer leagues, most of not all of the summer leagues have been canceled this year. So the evaluation of guys eligible for the draft has been a very, very different kind of thing. Had a great opportunity to catch up with the Padres uh, scouting director, Mark Connor, today to talk to him about getting ready for the draft next week. Mark, obviously a lot to talk about with the draft coming up next week. I've got a million questions in this year, uh, unique to say the least, but I have to start with the uh, the background there because I, I remarked to you a few moments ago, that is the coolest looking background uh, of anybody we've had on the show, I think so far, uh, maybe save for Steve Finley's gold glove awards that he had behind him. Uh, and then you commented to me that you had done this uh, on your own. So please do tell the story. Yeah. So uh, for several years uh, in my office, I've been wanting to, to shiplap my wall and, you know, with the job and just the, the amount of time that, that it takes to do it, I, I didn't have it. And then, uh, you know, with the quarantine and being taken off the road and need something to occupy my time a little bit. So uh, put this project on, on the forefront and I finally got it done. So very impressive. What is like the, the most handy thing you are capable of? That doesn't strike me as a small project. I'm guessing that's a rather large one. What's what's like the, the ceiling of your abilities? Because I'm very impressed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of got some handyman skills of, uh, you know, can do some electrical work. I uh, can do uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of plumbing work. But like I, I, I try not to get into it too much because something goes wrong, I'm going to get in trouble at the house. So. <laughs> a lot of people are nodding in agreement with you right now. All right. Um, obviously, we're having you on with the draft coming up, and uh, I could uh, ask you home improvement questions all day, but I, I won't. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how different is this year than like every other year? Uh, it's, it's a 10. I mean, it's a, this is the most unique year uh, ever been a part of. Uh, but honestly, like there's been some, a lot of good that's come out of it. Uh, with like how we've gone about scouting and different ways that we've learned to uh, to approach our process uh, that we'll, we'll take uh, leading forward. What's been the biggest difference, the biggest change, the biggest adjustment you guys have had to make in the run up to this thing? Uh, just not being able to see players at the like throughout the year and see the progression that they make or the regression and you know the just getting those last looks of comfort is. Uh, I still think like at the time of like when we got taken off the road, um, everybody was planning on going back on players and not anticipating those being our last looks. But unfortunately, that's what they were. Maybe an impossible question to answer. But when you think about that, do you think more guys are helped or hurt by not playing basically this season? I, I think it's uh, even. I, I really do. I think some guys were definitely helped, uh, you know, in the process and, and definitely some guys that, we're going to be better. We didn't get a chance to prove it, so they were hurt a little bit. Do you have a sense of who they all are, though? It sounds like, or some of them at least. No, I mean, like, I mean, looking in the crystal ball and trying to project that, like, I think we're optimistic that we know who those guys are, good and bad, uh, even in the short sample size. I can say our group does a really good job of working like very far in advance, so we do have a lot of history on most of these players, uh, which has helped out a ton uh, in the short year. Kind of along those lines, I guess. Has the board moved around more or less with these guys not playing right now? Whew. 
Uh, I mean, it's probably about the same as years past. I mean, like, I mean, I think there is uh, certain guys that probably like, again, like would have moved up or moved down uh, if the year would have progressed. But like, I think the tip the board movement has been about the same. Interesting. All right. Just five rounds. That's another huge adjustment and change, obviously. What does that mean specifically for you guys as, as you get ready for it? Oh, uh, it, it just means we're trying to be more fine in our process. Like, I mean, again, like, um, you know, knowing that we're only getting to pick six players, we're really diving into a smaller group a lot more than we normally would. Like, I mean, just in the sense of uh, when you have to cover 40 rounds of players, uh, you know, you're focusing on all those rounds, not just the top. And, and in this draft, like we're definitely working on uh you know, smaller group of players for this top five. So we're just diving into them uh, a lot, lot more. So any adjustment in terms of the kinds of guys or is it, you know, same philosophies and approaches as, as always? Well, same philosophies. I mean, we're still going to go after the best players, uh, best players that are fits for our, our organization. All right. Very interesting stuff. Like we said, it is a very, very different year. A lot to figure out uh, for everybody in the baseball community, top to bottom, uh, player development, the draft kind of front and center right now, and perhaps major league games sometime soon as well. Mark Connor, no pressure. Uh, have fun uh, as always with the draft and uh, always appreciate these these yearly catch-ups to get a little bit of insight into what's going on. Well, no, I appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys uh, taking an interest in what we're doing and uh, thank you very much. Padres scouting director Mark Connor, as we preview next week's draft, bring Don and Mud back. And, and Mark, let me ask you, you were selected 10th overall. Um, how, how different would your life have been had you not been able to play or pitch your senior year of high school? Can't hear him. Can you hear him, Don? I cannot. Huh. Try again. I'm sorry. I had my I had my. Uh... No problem. Mike, Mike muted while Mark was talking. I apologize. Um, I, I would be devastated. And my heart just aches for these athletes, not just baseball players, boys and girls in high school who uh, whose sports have been um, uh, n- not played this summer and uh, spring and, and fall. What did I just do? Did I lose you guys? No. No, good. we're here. My gosh, what is going on here? This is not good. <laughs> no, okay. It's all good. Um, so it would have been – Is it? It would have been um, – you know, the, the luxury that a lot of these scouts have, but like, like Mark said, you, you might see a, a chance for a player to regress and um, maybe have some type of slump and deal with adversity to where, you know, like I was scouted freshman, sophomore, junior year. And then it, suppose I didn't have a senior year while well, scouts had seen me before, but still that's a huge year to see what a kid can do and how he has developed, not only physically, but also mentally and uh, what has gone on in that school year, uh, what has gone on in that calendar. So yeah, I, I think, think that. Think about the kids devastating. that break out their huh? senior years. Kids that break out their senior years, like yeah. they're not getting that opportunity. It's yeah. devastating, like you said. I, I have a story, uh, a friend of mine, I'll, I'll try to keep it quick, but um, he was a junior in high school, went to my high school, Joliet Catholic Academy, and they had a running back. The, the name of the game was running. So his sophomore, junior year, he played varsity. He was a tight end. Didn't get a lot of uh, balls thrown his way. His senior year, that uh, running back graduated. He was now a senior. Uh, a little 15 and out, bam, he ran 80 yards for a touchdown. Uh, next series, bam, right across the middle, caught, oh, started opening some eyes. Long story short, he went to Stanford, drafted by the Colts, Kobe Fleener. And it was because of his senior year in high school to where colleges recognized him. He excelled at Stanford and then, of course, was drafted with Andrew Luck with the Colts and had a nice uh, eight-year career in the NFL. 
Yeah. Stuff like that uh, certainly happens. All mm-hmm. right. We're going to push this thing forward. Uh, we said today was James Shields Day, which is perhaps insulting to uh, Fernando. But nonetheless, uh, it's also the anniversary of one of the most uh, bizarre and probably sad on-field incidents in baseball history. Uh, 1974, it was 10 cent beer night in Cleveland. Uh, and it went exactly as you would imagine it. Uh, and then some. The backstory to me is such an interesting one. Uh, so the Indians were bad. They didn't draw. They had 25,000 people at this game. I think two days before against the Royals, they had like 4,000 people to give you an idea of the kind of impact that it had. But basically, they're hosting the Rangers. And the previous week, they had played in Arlington. And there was a big brawl. And uh, Ranger fans were throwing stuff at the Indian players on the field. And after the game, Billy Martin, who was the manager of the Rangers at the time, was asked, like, oh, are you worried because you guys got to go to Cleveland next week? And he made some comment along the lines of, and hey, nobody's there anyway, so I have nothing to worry about. So the Indians, <laughs> to try and counter that, uh, did this 10-cent beer night promotion. And uh, it was it was rowdy all night long. And it eventually boiled over in the ninth inning, literally, by the way, right after the Indians tied the game. They were down two in the bottom of the ninth. They tied the game. And then this one kid runs out there, and he tries to take the hat off of right fielder Jeff Burrow's head. That's Sean Burrow's dad, by the way. Uh, he kind of stumbles. Burrow's kicks him, and then it just turned into a legitimate brawl, melee, riot. Both teams, fans, police, it got incredibly ugly. Umpires were injured. Guys on both teams were injured. Um, and, and again, 10-cent beer night, probably never the greatest idea. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, what? What a bizarre sequence of events, I guess, Donnie. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I, you know, I, I saw that today uh, on Twitter earlier this morning, and I had, I did not know that story. I had not heard the the backstory or any of that. I mean, that is unbelievable. Um, but I, you will notice that we haven't seen a 10-cent beer night since. Uh, that took care of that, huh? <laughs> First and last, seriously. Yeah. Uh, and it was a forfeit, by the way, uh, uh, the rare forfeit uh, that takes place in Major League Baseball. Oh, he's back. What's going on? Uh, you just plopped out of the sky? What happened there? <laughs> no, I apologize. Um, on the roof? What are we doing? No, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have that T-shirt. I have a T-shirt, the Cleveland uh, 10 Cent Beer Night, that I was trying oh. to find in my closet. Cool. That's pretty cool. But uh, you didn't what did I miss? No, what did I miss? Okay, no. But it, it, so they just tied the game. So it was like 5-5 five, five in the bottom of the ninth inning. The riot breaks out. Sean Burrow's dad, unfortunately for him, in the middle of the whole thing. And the umpire said, that's it. Forfeit, game over, Rangers win, even though the game was tied 5-5. Not even a suspension of the game, not even, all right, we'll pick this up on another day. Uh, they just said, nope, you lose because your fans uh, went went bonkers. But I like Billy Martin kind of lighting the match that, that started the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's not the first time Billy's done that. No. <laughs> that does not surprise me. No. Oh, my gosh, somebody got a bat or something or a battery or something. Chair. From- chair. Oh, was it a chair? Yeah, that's what it says oh, right there in the couch. by a chair. In the head. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Wow. Uh, you know what? I, I I was looking that up. If you haven't seen the, uh, there's a little, uh, a little uh, film on that. Um, Bob Golick, who's from Cleveland, he does a little uh, narration on that night. See, since he's a Cleveland native, I think it was an ESPN 30 for 30. I think it was just a short, like 10 minute thing. It's very interesting, and it gives you a lot of detail. The limit was six per person. Uh, <laughs> well, there was a limit. There was a limit, and there were. Very, how, how do you prove that exactly? I know. Yeah. I, I, how I, do think, they I think as that you, rule. I think as you went up, you could only order six at a time. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, that quickly <laughs> yeah, can become thirty-six. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, but they weren't. They weren't the huge. They weren't the huge like you know tumblers that you see. They were like the little you know maybe eight ounce cups. Yeah. And there were very very few people at the taps working too. So it was just 
chaos. Unbelievable. Uh, it's killing me, Anyway, interesting. Uh, it's, it is up there with, uh, Steve brings this up, with uh, Disco Demolition Night at Comiskey. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, in that, it's in that neighborhood yeah. of insanity. Yeah. And, I was uh, a sophomore in high school when that one went down. I wanted to go to Comiskey Park that night. And my dad says, no, you are not going to Comiskey Park. Smart man, Larry. Yeah, yeah. Very smart man. Uh, all right. Uh, we uh, push forward here almost uh, through with this one. We got some fun stuff to look at, though, including uh, we do this every week when Mud is here because he loves to slap some cheese on it. Our uh, Padres memorable Jack. The whole doctor. One out, nobody on, and Kennedy into center field. Andrew Jones back at the track of the wall. Kennedy to put the Padres on top. Three, two in the tenth. Memorable Padres Jack presented by Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box is open and ready to serve you all of your favorites at the drive-thru, on the mobile app, and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during tonight's show will win a Jack Cash card, so let us know that you're watching. Mud, obviously, always cool to hit a big home run in the postseason, no matter who it is. But when it's the guy who's the heart and soul, and Don, you saw this however many times with David Ortiz and Boss. I mean, it's uh, it's like an extra jolt for everybody. It's incredible. I remember watching that game and covering that game pre and post. And even though that game was in Atlanta, we had a studio downtown. We were doing it. We could hear Fifth Avenue behind us. And when that ball was hit, the city of San Diego just going bonkers. And talk about taking the wind of the sails of the Braves. Kerry Leitenberg. Oh, please don't throw it right there because Cammy will take you oppo. And, uh, yep. There it is. And that was some night. That was some swing ball jumping off Cammy's bat. And Bobby Cox is like, ah, darn it. Arky's all fired up. <laughs> swing dog, too. Yeah. Saw the swing dog in there. All right. You know what? I, I don't mean to name drop, but because uh, my good friend Bobby De Niro told me to never name drop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> during that series, when the Braves were in San Diego, before they went back to Atlanta, I had dinner with a friend of mine I used to play with. And um, that was on the Braves at the time. And I said, you know what, going back to Atlanta, you know, you guys pretty good in Atlanta to win, you know, two games. You guys, I I wouldn't count you guys out. He just looked at me and goes, we're not going to win. You guys are just too good. (laughs) I go, okay. All right. All right. I believe you. Yeah. Cool. That's an emotive honesty. Yeah. All right. Uh, Before we go, we have to check in. Uh, The Wiz, uh, your KBO sadness report here. Uh, Let me just say, (sighs) the Wiz are not good. This year, you know, they've they've had they've got the bullpen issues. Injuries are starting to rack up a little bit They're They're not a good team. That's okay. There's always next year. Uh, But I'm I'm, I don't want to call the season already, but we're getting close with this KBO sadness report. Last night, a 14 to eight loss to Doosan. That right there is starting pitcher Min Kim, who could not get out of the third inning. He allowed eight runs on eight hits. Mm. Uh, Wiz dropped two out of three in this series. They are now 11 and 15 on the season. They'll face the uh, Giants. This weekend. Seems like uh, pitching has been a real problem, Jesse. What's that? Seems like pitching has been a real problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Despondia oh, was on a roll until he wasn't the other night. He couldn't. Uh, he also gave up like 10 runs in three innings the other day. The bullpen's been a disaster. Uh, the closer who last year was almost untouchable uh, was taken off the roster like three weeks ago because he had a 10 ERA. Um, it's uh, Pitching is a real issue. Now, they are saying the ball is juiced again in Korea. Oh, really? Uh, 
<laughs> they they had juiced it a few years ago, then they unjuiced it, and now everybody's saying they have rejuiced the ball in Korea. So that, but look, it's the same for everybody. And unfortunately for our wisdom, it's not going great. It's not well, going instead great. of Vic and Tori, they should have what uh, Terry and Bill, Terra Bill. Yeah, Terra I Bill. like that. Rename the mascots instead of uh, Victory. I feel bad for the Wiz. Well, you know, people beat the Wiz. All right, um, we've been doing this too. We love the umpires uh, in, in the KBO. A lot of very energetic, entertaining punch outs. Mud is our umpire expert, of course. So we got two new ones that we saw this week that we like. And Mud, this week, I would like you to – here's the first one. You got the leg kick. I like the – you know, the upper half, uh, we've seen that before, but the lower half comes into play, the high leg kick. Uh, one out of three um, – Well, I was going to – hold on. Let me just – we, we would like you to judge her. So it's going to oh, be okay. – you're going to assign muds. Like instead of a three-star, it's a three-mud sort of thing. So one right. mud, two muds, or three muds. That's the, the system. That's a two-mud. Two mud, yeah. two muds. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I like that. Two right. muds. Yeah. The guy with because the, the upper and lower half. The upper half we've seen before, but he incorporates a little leg kick, which I think is quite nice. All right. Let's check this next one. Donnie, how does that feel, by the way, having mud? Yeah, I, I got a lot of mud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Oh, that's intricate. Whoa. Yeah, that's that's using like a that. lot. Yeah, that's a lot of leg work. He, he's got a solid, firm, wide base working there. I like he, he hangs out right arm. That is oh, awesome. Yeah. Can I go two and a half muds? <laughs> I don't know if they make half muds. Can you make a half a mud? <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. There you go. Uh, uh. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> yeah, two and a half muds. <laughs> Don, if, if you were assigning muds, what would you give to that guy? Uh, I like that guy a lot. I would give him three muds. Really? I really do. I think the whole arm thing, really cool. Just hanging it there for that split second. I want to see a guy just go off the rails and just go totally berserk. I love like that. What? Show us what you mean. Give me a demonstration, would you? Well, I can't right now because I'm all wired up. But like no, I, mean, I, mentioned, I mentioned before from the Naked Gun, like Leslie Nielsen, Enrico Palazzo, you know, just kind of you're the spin and break it down. And <laughs> you're the best umpire impersonator I've ever seen. Uh, well, I, I would a like a lot of strikes, though, during the course of a game. I mean, you can only also imagine, and especially with the number of strikeouts now. <laughs> you, like, you know, I mean, like, think about the number of strikeouts now. You're getting 12, 14. You're going to have to do that 12, 14 times for one team. Yeah, you can only I mean, yell so much, you know. Right. Johnny says, you know. <laughs> I like to chop, like a strike one chop. Strike one. Strike yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. That's it. The and then for strike three, I got the ring them up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I got. Yeah, it's just a variation of my regular strike call. Uh, I like that one. You don't like it. You always no, tell I, me it's brutal. Yes, I know. This is tired. I like this, though. How many months? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a three twirler. It's three strikes, and it's one, two, three. Around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recap of the at bat. That's all it is. Uh, all right. Uh, remember Casey Kelly, former Padre? Yeah. Uh, he's pitching in, in the KBO right now. We talk about cultural differences, right? We've talked an awful lot about bat flips in Korea. Now it's just sort of part of the game there. No big deal. Uh, we've seen this over the years in Japan. Uh, again, haven't really followed the KBO closely until this year, but a similar kind of cultural thing as what we see in the MPB. Uh, is Casey Kelly. He's going to hit a guy. Uh, and sometimes, obviously, a hit by pitch can lead to some hurt feelings. That was not the case uh, this week with Casey Kelly. So I think we have that. As well. There you go. 
hit by pitch. Ooh, sorry, not intentional, but looked painful. Tip of the cap, my bad, no problem. Mm. I like this. Why can't we all wow. be friends? Yeah, you know what? Um, the thing I looked at, Donnie and Jesse, as soon as that ball was let go and he, and he hit the batter, you could see, watch Casey, he kind of looks away and tugs at his cap, kind of puts his head down, and then he acknowledges, hey, my bad, got away from me, I'm sorry. Hey, no problem, all good. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Well, I, I like guess, it. I, I know there was some probably, and, and, you know, the game's changed, whatever. Uh, I know there are probably some guys, older guys, that would say, well, you know, he can get out of the way. You know, why should a guy have to apologize? It's part of the game. Well, you know, to each his own. It's very subjective. And if you want to, if you want to do that, I say, see no problem with that. Donnie, here, here's my issue, I guess. I, and I do like it. I think it's, it's like a nice bit of humanity, which we all need right now. But, mm-hmm. y- you know, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to do it every time because if you don't do it, <laughs> right. This time I meant it. <laughs> uh, it wasn't my bad. I, I meant to do that. Yes, I was throwing it. I, I actually wanted to hit you higher than I did, but this is fine. It works. Uh, yeah. One other. I, I heard a story once a long time ago. Uh, what well, Stan Williams was a pitcher back long, long time ago. And he hit Henry Aaron in the back during a game. This is a true story. So Stan Williams, the next day, uh, I think uh, Hank was hitting, uh, playing with the Milwaukee Braves at the time. During batting practice, he went up to Hank and he said, hey, Hank, you know what? Sorry I hit you in the, in the back yesterday. I was Hank's. Oh, that's all right. He goes, I meant to hit you in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Stan Williams, man. <laughs> A little bit of a different era. As yeah. said. That's yeah. funny. Uh, we mentioned bat flips, how it's kind of a, a part of KBO culture and nobody seems offended by it or anything. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't bad bat flips. Uh, this is what we mean. Check out this one from uh, this week. Big bat flip, right? Just drops it down. Oh, yeah, I got that one, baby. Oh, not, quite. <laughs> not even warning track power. Wow. That's weak. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I got it all. That felt like me in fantasy camp, bud. Yeah, I got it. it. I got it. It's uh, like, oh. did it hit a bird or something on the way up? Or? <laughs> wow. Well, that's not even close. No. Oh, yeah. that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. <laughs> that was right down the middle, too. Pulled off it just a tad. Maybe that was one of the de-juiced balls. I don't know. Yeah. Feel bad for the guy, right? That's funny, though. <laughs> At least everybody had a sense of humor about it. I think it's coming up here. Hold on. There, this one. This one. Oh, yeah. I got it all. Come on. I'm sure that was going. Ended up second base, which I can't believe. I thought that was going yard. Just missed it. I thought for sure. Oppo going yard right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. That was your intent. I know. Wow. It took me a long time to get across the field. Very Man, agile. Though. Oh, Look at that first gosh. step. Wow. I had no the number 60, Don. What was the story there? Uh, I was a late addition to camp, and uh, they didn't have my name uh, for a jersey, <laughs> and that was what was available. Uh, so RJ gave me 60. I was lucky RJ gave me anything. He flew out to the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you see how high in the air it went? <laughs> like, I just missed that. Oh, man. So what is going on here? I was going to cover oh. first, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Everything's fine though. No problem on that right side of the infield. <laughs> Boy, that looks so bad on video. That hurts my feelings watching myself play. Uh, Apparently, I'm not in good shape. You you right. saw it differently in your mind, didn't you? 
I did. It went so much like that one that I thought was gone. Mm-hmm. It didn't get out of the infield. <laughs> and you're Serious. right. I, I popped out to the pitcher. Serious note, though. Doesn't it make you appreciate the game of baseball and what those guys oh, can art. do? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, Definitely. Next, next time, if the fans that are watching this right now, next time you're at a ball game when you're able to enjoy a ball game and you got some clown, some Yahoo hooting and hollering about a guy, oh, how'd you strike out? Hey, how can you not catch that ball? Just turn to him and say, hey, dude, have you been to a fantasy camp before? Yeah. Go to the Pottery Fantasy Camp. Do yourself a favor. Just we'll have guys tossing you balls and you're going to be yeah. icing your thumbs for the next three months. Well, right? that's the other thing. It wasn't tossing. I had guys throwing upper 90s. Okay. And I was trying to, you know, battle that. But upper nineties, you said? Uh, my mid to upper nineties. Yeah, you know, and then they were trying to come in. You know, they were trying to scare me. It was some intimidation factor there, but it was fine. I just yep. uh, it, got some of our campers uh, chiming in here. So, nice. Ed, what's yeah. up? Yeah, there we go. Hey, let me, I, I'm not a hitting coach. I'm not going to pretend. You know that that's my forte. But if we could, Cole's doing a great job. Did getting you see something? Go back to the first at bat, the pop up <laughs> to the second baseman. I think there's one thing the that. No, no, no. It was second base. The first one was the one second I thought went out. And when I looked up, I because I got about two thirds way down, I looked up and realized I was out. I couldn't believe it because I thought I, I I felt it. You know when you hit the sweet spot of the bat and you think sure. it's just gone. Never yeah, done that's that. How I felt. Oh yeah. But again, here's the issue: the follow through. It's oh. kind of a you, you sort of half swung. You didn't. Right, it was like it. a check swing home run. I thought you know, mm. <laughs> like look at the contact point. It's sweet spot. Oh my gosh! Your <laughs> rear end, your rear end was going into the third base dugout. And your oh, hands I was were going to the base I told you it was upper nineties. Look at this thing! <laughs> <laughs> and then I couldn't believe that thing. The carry, it just oh didn't carry. Gosh. Ball died. I mean, it must have been wind, right? But was it windy? Do you remember, Mom? Is it really windy? Oh, uh, the wind was blowing in like a, a gale force. It had to be. Yeah, it knocked it down. It was. Yeah. 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 If if yeah. the wind was if there was no wind, I think it would have been opposite field. There's the <laughs> this, this, the this, wind uh, really knocked that uh, one down. Pitcher calling for it is outstanding. He doesn't. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, I got it. That, I, I, honestly, I was just trying to follow that off because I was down 0-2 <laughs> and, and it ended up popping out. I was just trying to send that down the right. That was that was total defensive. Just foul it off, and then that happened. Yeah. Oh God, bad memories, man. Uh, you're, com- you're coming next year, right? So embarrassing. Yes, and I'm going to be in better shape. Well, I hope I'm going to I'm going to pitch to you next year. No, yeah, exactly. nope. Not right. Oh yeah, we're ending it on that. I mean, much like Scanlon's Sammy Sosa revolver story yesterday, there's nowhere to go after seeing Don pop up to the pitcher. So we're going to shut her down right there. So embarrassing. My feelings are hurt. Well, you know what? You tried. That's what matters. I did try. I was trying. That was, Truck driver's that was trying. next level trying. Yeah, that's all that matters. Um, thank you guys both. And uh, always always a pleasure on these Thursdays. Thanks, Jesse. Jesse, nice job. Donnie, always good to see you. See you, Mudley. All right. Be well. All right. That's, uh, that's, that's the week of Padres Social Hour. Uh, these guys got your Friar Friday coming up tomorrow uh, at 530. So you certainly don't want to miss that. And we'll continue our shows next week. I think Don's house is back there. Whoa! Eyewash!